else can you do that? And uh, and so I, I'm not, you know, tonight my 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 title is um, miracles happen. Miracles happen, and just because we don't have the answers, all the answers, doesn't mean we just reason it away or give up and say, oh, well, I guess, guess the supernatural is not for today. That's just not true. Um, we, have, we have a supernatural God. We do have a supernatural God. It's who he is. We have a God who does miracles. He's done miracles all through history. He's not, he's not stopping now. In fact, if anything else, if anything, he's ramping them up more and more and more. You know why, though? Because he's really good. He's a really good father. He loves his kids. I mean, he really loves his kids so much that he sent his one and only son to die in order to save the world, right? He loves his kids. He's good. He's powerful. This is what he does. The supernatural is his realm. It's just who he is. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, The definition of a miracle. Okay, before I do this, let me just read this. You remember last week, most of you were here last week for the Angels of Miracles, but if you were here Saturday night, right towards the end, remember there was a man that was sitting right about here in that sanctuary that at the very end, um, you know, was really disheartened because he had come, he had an accident, he was in a whole lot of pain. Um, Let's see. Jeff was his name. Is Jeff here by any chance? I'd love for him to tell the story. What's that? Not here. Okay. So this is a, a, an email we received from Bill Irwin, who was there. Bill was a minister in, in uh, Brentwood. There's a great ministry over there. And um, he said, one of the men who came, they, they reopened their healing rooms tonight. This was a couple nights ago in their new location. Great night. He says, one of the men who came in was Jeff. He was the guy at the Angels of Miracles on Saturday afternoon during the Q&A that was going on and on about God not being able to heal him. There were too many things wrong, auto accident 30 years ago, etc. There was a big reaction in the crowd, and several people went over to him to pray. How many of you here prayed for him? Remember Jeff? Wow, a bunch of you. Thank you. You You want to hear this too, in case you didn't hear this. Like I said, he came into the healing rooms tonight. Piecing together his story, he had stayed through the evening service Saturday, and he heard the testimony of Carol. He heard Carol's testimony um, of of her deafness being uh, healed. And uh, one of our staff was sitting next to him, and he got excited hearing her testimony, and he told our staff member, if God can heal her, he can heal me. This is what happens in testimonies. This is why we keep saying, you've got to share your story. Because it's not just about you. He loves you. It is about you, but it's not just about you. He loves you, and he wants the story to continue. He wants you to give away what you got. So he says, so he's, now he's encouraged. Total change from what he was saying earlier in the day. Jeff told us tonight, when he wrote this, that when he woke up Sunday morning, so the next morning, and got out of bed, he realized that his right leg and his hip had no 
was considerably less, and he was really excited. Those had been the areas that hurt him the most. He showed me how he had tried everything out. He was twisting, flexing, doing his knees, everything. And tonight he came in for more. And God gave him more. Bill has a lot of inner healing stuff. And, and a lot of times, the Sozo ministry, a lot of times the inner and the outer go together. When you've got hurts on the inside, you know, trauma from your past, a lot of times it shows up in your body. It's how we carry stress and anxiety and things like that do show up in your body. Uh, and so, so they were, not only was he experiencing this outer healing, the physical healing, but then the staff was able to deal with the trauma from the accident and its aftermath, and the pain in his left leg went away. He was actually having a, a, a bit of trouble walking because he was so used to trying to protect himself from getting more pain as he walked that he couldn't quite get used to stepping more securely because he didn't know how to walk without pain. And it says, uh, Jeff will be back for more ministry. That's, that's exceptionally good news. We, we need to hear those because some of you, if you didn't hear that, you were praying for him. Sometimes we walk away from prayer, even right here with Carol, and we say, gosh, nothing happened. That's absolutely not true. It, that can't, that's one thing that can't be true. Because we're agreeing with God's heart. Heaven's moving. If we could see everything in the supernatural the way it was, I'm telling you, we would be praying 24-7. We'd be going, whoa, look at when I do this. Look, look what's going on. Ooh, look what's going from my hands into their body. Oh, my gosh. We would be like, whoa, I don't know when it's going to manifest, but we're going to keep doing this because it's something's going on here. So you didn't see that, but overnight, I mean, right there in that moment as you're praying, for those of you praying for Jeff, a whole bunch of people are praying for him. Overnight, what's going on? I don't know. Were angels ministering to him? I don't know. Quite likely, he gets up in the morning without pain. That's just awesome. And and then and then for God, he, he wants to heal the whole person. You know, we're, we're just content. Oh, if you just heal this, that'd be cool. He goes, well, I want to do that and a whole lot more. I want to heal all of you. So, you know, he takes this healing with Jeff and he goes deeper and begins to heal the deeper heart issues. See, that's who our Papa is. You hear a whole lot in here from me about, about the goodness of God. Because if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, that your Father in Heaven is a Papa who adores you, then why would you expect Him to do something nice for you? Or for someone else who you pray for? If You have to know He's good. He's exceptionally good all of the time. So I want to look at, I want to look at miracles tonight. Um, we're going to start with, uh, well, let me just say this one more thing. Because I know, Lee, you're finally here, aren't you? There we go. We've, we've mentioned Lee several times, and he kind of, you know, kind of got known as the, the finger guy. But I've always known guy, Lee as the love guy and as the, you know, loving on some of the homeless in Oakland guy. And Lee's just an all-around great guy. But, but a while back, and I think almost all of you in this room have heard the story, but if you haven't, he had an industrial accident. A couple decades ago, quarter of a, a quarter inch of his finger was chopped off and gone, smashed. And uh, and a couple months ago, half a year ago, uh, the dudes were here and we were all praying for each other. And 
And uh, Daniel's praying for Lee, and, and right in front of their eyes, his finger starts growing back. It first gets fat, and then it grows out, including the nail. And uh, pretty amazing, because we all know Lee. He didn't make it up, you know? We know him. He's Lee, and uh, he's sitting right here. And, and some people, some of you will hear that, and you'll go, well, that's impossible. And I will tell you, that's the point. That's what, that's what a definition of a miracle is. It's something that you think is impossible that God does. That's what a miracle is. Otherwise, it's not a miracle, is it? So he's into the impossible. Of course, for him it's not impossible, but, but it sure seems so from, from our worldview. And part of our problem, and Carol did a great teaching on this. I highly recommend you go back and, and on the podcast on uh, Friday morning, Carol spoke. And she gave a great history, going all the way back, of philosophers and stuff about how we got to this worldview that is so far away from the kingdom view. How do we get to this place of reason where she just, I won't go into it because she does such a great job, but we didn't get there overnight. We're in this place where, where we go, well, I'll, I'll believe it if I see it. Do you know the kingdom works just the opposite? You see it because you believe it. That's the kingdom. And, and there's a lot of other places around the world that, that are not mired in this uh, scientific worldview and this unbelief that we're mired in. They're just expecting miracles because isn't that what God does? Isn't that who he is? So we, we're, we're getting back there. Um, I want to look at, I wanna look at a, mir- a miracle together from Exodus 14. If you've got your Bibles, you can... Break it open. This is uh, Moses parting the Red Sea. I'm going to start with that one, and then we're going to jump fast forward to Jesus. But I was, I was, I was taken by this miracle all over again. I know you all, most of you, know this miracle, even if you've never read your Bible, because you saw Charlton Heston do it, you know. And it was quite impressive. Um, but when you read this story, there's a lot more details in there that make it even more amazing. Uh, than ever. Um, but really quickly, Moses is taking the Israelites out of Egypt. They're in slavery there. You know, the whole battle about let my people go, and Pharaoh says no, and the, and the plagues, and okay, you can go, no, you can't. You know, back and forth. Finally, he lets them go. They leave, and all of a sudden, he, Pharaoh says, What did I do? I, I let our slaves go. Now we have no slave labor. That wasn't smart. So now they send the army after him. So here's the Israelites. They think they're good to go. They think they're clear. And turn around, and here comes here comes Pharaoh's army. All of the chariots, all of his commanders coming right at him. A little bit of fear, don't you think? And so what do they do? In that fear, um, they, the people didn't have their eyes on the Lord, really. They, they didn't. They didn't understand yet the magnitude of their, of their papa. And so they start yelling at Moses and uh, telling him basically what a horrible leader he is, what an idiot he is for taking him out. Now they're going to die in the desert. That's my translation. Um, and Moses says to them, great leader, a great leader. Moses, God hasn't even given him the answer yet. This is great leadership. 
Because God hasn't even told Moses. God did not yet say to Moses, all right, Moses, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to raise your staff, and I'm going to part the waters. He didn't tell him that yet. That comes after this. All Moses knows is, I don't know how God's going to do this, but I know my God. So let me tell you some things, people. See, this is really, really good leadership. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see what Yahweh, your, your God, will do to rescue you today. That word rescue is actually sozo. Some of your Bibles say save you. He's going to save you today. That's the word sozo. And believe it or not, sozo doesn't mean um, inner healing, letting Jesus into your memories. That's Sometimes we think that's what sozo means now because sozo ministry is doing that. That's a part of sozo. Sozo... Salvation means saved in every way. It means physically, emotionally, spiritually. You're, you're, you're brand new you, everything you need, you got. Sozo means I'm going to take care of you. You're saved from everything. So he says, you're going to see what the Lord is going to do for you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. That's amazing to me. That's amazing faith. He's declaring something before it happens. See, he's partnering with God in this miracle. He's, he's, he's seen God act over and over again. He saw the different, the different ways that God's acted, all the way from the burning bush through, you know, all of it. And he's like, well, I don't know how he does it. He's amazing. I don't know what he's going to do, but let me tell you, from what I know about God, we're good. We're in the clear. And, I, and I'd hate to be those guys. That's basically what he's saying. Yahweh will do the fighting for you. All you need to do is keep calm. That's just a great word right there. A lot of us need to heed that. And then God does an interesting thing. He talks about, here's your part, here's my part. And and he he says to Moses, your part is I want you to hold up your staff. And... And uh, the sea's going to divide, and uh, the Israelites can walk through the sea on dry ground. He talks about his part, what he's going to do, um, including even making those, the Egyptians stubborn to come in after them. A very interesting next part of this is it says the angel of God. We talked a lot about angels last week. Here's another picture of the angel. This is verse 19, Exodus 14, 19. Then the angel of God who preceded the army of Israel, changed stations, because it was always in the front, and followed behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from their front and took position behind them. Hmm. There's an interesting thing. I don't know how much you, you all have, when the last time you've read this, if you've read this in terms of, you know, thinking about the supernatural and angels and all the rest, First of all, let me say this. When it says the angel of God, many times in the Old Testament, when it's not just talking about the angels, but it's t- or it doesn't mention Gabriel or whoever, um, when it says the angel of God, many times, m- many commentators believe, and I'm kind of with them, that quite likely it's talking about Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternally there. He doesn't show up as far as showing his face until he arrives on the scene uh, on the earth. But obviously he was around. 
And so, um, so, so quite possibly that's Jesus in the front of them. He moves around to the back, but look at this pillar goes with him. Hmm, isn't that interesting? This thing that we thought was a was just a phenomenon, a pillar of a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And you learn that there's, at the very least, angelic activity, possibly Jesus himself, who is robed or disguised as this pillar of, of uh, fire. Just pretty fascinating stuff, actually. Um, and what it did is that it became between the army and the people so that the army could never get any closer. It's very interesting stuff. This is buffer zone. God says, I don't think so. Just going to kind of stand here for quite a while. I don't think so. Nope, not coming any closer to my people. And then it says that, that Moses raises his staff. It says that the wind, the, the God brings up the wind and, and uh, basically all night long. You know, didn't happen that way in the Ten Commandments in the movie. That was instantaneous. Which is a greater miracle? I don't know. That either one's pretty amazing. Think about even all night long. You got that's a bunch of pile of water. You got to, you know, how many gazillion tons of water you got to keep up all night. Um, but here's a fascinating thing. I never really thought about this till the last time I was reading it. It says they're going to walk through on dry land. You know what a lake bed is like? You ever thought about that? Feet of mud. But, you know. It would be, they would be glop, glop, and they would stop. They wouldn't be able to move anymore. And it says they moved through on dry ground. That's, that's a pretty amazing miracle. And actually later on when it talks about the uh, Egyptians coming in, it says that their, their chariots got all clogged up. The wheels came off. Hmm. Hmm. How did that dry land turn into mud that quickly again? That's just fascinating stuff. You say, well, that's impossible. And I say, yeah, that's exactly the point. That's what a miracle is. I could talk a lot more about this, but I just... Here's, here's, here's an interesting thing. Moses really didn't know how it was going to happen. He really didn't. He, it could have it happened in so many different ways, because come on, a miracle's a miracle. God could have just as easily translated them over. He could have just as easily t- raised them all up into heaven and said, Oh, you're, you did good. Come on home. I don't know. He could have, you know, zapped them, the Israelites, uh, the Egyptians... Uh, back there somehow. I don't know. I'm saying there's a lot of different ways it could have happened. And isn't that true? When we're asking for a miracle, sometimes the reasons we get disappointed is because we think it's supposed to happen a certain way. We get it in our minds. This is what I need and this is the way God's going to do it. Whether that's a, a, a miracle for healing, whether it's provision, whether it's relationships. Some of you have cried out, and you're like, oh, God's going to save me, and it's going to happen this way. And that's where we get in trouble sometimes. His covenant promise is, I am for this, I'm in this for your best all the time. Everything that I'm doing in your life, I'm working for your good. Anything the enemy tries to do against you, I'm going to flip it around. This is his covenant promise. In other words, he has to do this. I did a long teaching just this last week for the School of Supernatural Ministry. But understand that the covenant, this eternal covenant of I'm in this for your best no matter what, was actually made between the Father and the Son. The Father says, Son, I love you. And I love all of my people that are created. And 
forever. I, I've got to have them in a love relationship forever. Will you, son, will you go and pay the price on the cross to take away everything that could ever hinder our, our relationship ever again? I love you, son. Would you do that for me? And the son says, I love you, dad. I love you, dad. And I'll do that for you. I'll do that. I'll take that on so that not only can you and me and Holy Spirit be together forever, dad, but all those we love can be with us. That covenant was made really before the foundation of the earth, if you read Ephesians 1. We saw it in action 2,000 years ago in history when Jesus paid the price on the cross. But, but in Revelation, it says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. In other words, it was never an afterthought. It was never, oh man, I'm, I'm meant for this world to be really good. I didn't know Adam was going to slip and fall. Now what am I going to do? I guess we'll have to go to plan B. Jesus, you know, would you? No, no, no. Before the foundation of the earth, the Father says, I have to have you. I have to have you. I already know what's going to happen. How does he know that? Because he's outside of time. Well, that's impossible. Exactly. That's the point. He's a supernatural God. His, his kingdom is different than what we're seeing in our three dimensions here. So before the foundation of the earth, it was all planned out. Father and Son make this covenant, this love covenant, embraced in forever love. Wouldn't you agree that the Father loves His Son, Jesus? He adores His Son, Jesus, doesn't He? He opens up heaven and lets the whole world know, this is my beloved Son in whom I am so pleased. Listen to him. And, and Jesus, oh, does he love his dad. Man, you guys got to know my father. In fact, he's so good. You've seen me, you've seen him, because I know you know how good I am. He says, he's that good and then some. There's a deep love connection in this forever eternal covenant. Where does that leave you and me? Well, guess what? This is the good news. When you said yes to Jesus... You became one with him. Right here. Then I can do that better. There we go. It doesn't work with this mic. I need one of these mics. Right here, smack dab in the center of Jesus' heart. You and him are one. Right in the middle of this forever love covenant between father and son. That's where you exist. Forever. That's your place. Somebody get happy, because that's just really good news. <laughs> I, know, I know you're taking it in. I can see it, actually. That's where you are. And, and you need to know that. It's super important that you know that. Because that's that covenant that says, I have to do this for your best. I'm in it for your best. There is no other option. There is no plan B. I'm in this for your best. And that's how we can know, no matter what you are going through, no matter what miracle you need, I can tell you something tonight that you need to hear. God is on it. He is 100% on it. Whatever it is that you need, He's on it. Is it going to work out exactly the way you planned? Probably not. 
Even if he gives you what I got a word from the Lord. Yep, we know in part. First Corinthians thirteen. That's how we get in problems sometimes because we're like, I know that I know that I know that it's going to be exactly like this. Well, I will still tell you, we know in part, and he lets us know things. He lets us know glimpses so that when it happens, we know it's him. He'll let others speak things, you know, prophetic words. So that, so that when it happens, you're like, wow, that was God. Because why? Because he's a relational God. He wants to draw you in. He doesn't want to just be this la-la God and he'll just throw some bomb over your way. But you didn't love bomb, good bomb. It, you know, blessing bomb. <laughs> Clarify that. He didn't want to just throw it over there and then you go, whoa, what was that? I don't know, and then go on with your life. No, he wants you to know it was him. Because he says, I love you, I want to do this for you. So, we don't always know how they're going to happen, but I'm telling you, he's on it. He's a God of miracles. Now, here's, here's something the Lord was showing me. In the Old Covenant, they experienced a cloud by day. Everyone could see it. Cloud by day. Sometimes we're thinking, God, we, we want to see that cloud. And, and there's times where you see, there's places where you can see the Shekinah glory of God, where the, the mist of God, we've seen that. And while that's super cool, I mean, I've actually kind of experienced that myself a few times, actually. While that's really, really cool, you know what's even cooler? The glory cloud is inside of you. That thing you're wanting to see, you're looking too far away. It's inside of you. That pillar of fire, guess what? It's right here. It's right here. Some of you, is Lonnie still here? Lonnie, oh, Lonnie Longline. I know she was here loving on a whole bunch of people. Um, she's probably loving somewhere, someone. But a lot of times people uh, have experienced, and Lonnie certainly is one of them, uh, gold all over her. You know, most of you have seen that on Lonnie at some point or, or other. Um, early on in Blazing Fire, this was, we're uh, probably about six, seven years ago, something like that, Lonnie starts coming and. Um, you know, this is back when there was 40 of us in a room, and uh, we, were, we were having a pretty good time. And, uh, and Lonnie would, you know, she'd have all this all this gold all over her face. And uh, I, I just remember one night, you know, we were making mention of that, and I had a, a, a concerned person who was telling me, well, you know, they make makeup now with gold glitter everywhere. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, but, <laughs> but this isn't that. Because I said, next time you just look when she arrives, and then just look, and she didn't go anywhere. She didn't go to the bathroom, but now, and it wasn't just specks, but sometimes it's flakes, like off of her eyelids and everything else. Now, what the heck? (laughs) Oil that drops off your hands, you know? What the heck? That's, that's impossible. Exactly. (laughs) That's what a miracle is. But let me tell you something. Rather than thinking, gosh, where did that come from? We didn't even see the angel come through. No, it's coming from the inside out. You carry the glory of God in you. It's coming right out of your pores. Moses used a staff, a rod. Pretty powerful stuff. You know, used it to, to part the water, used it to, 
hit the rock, you know, from the water to come out. Pretty, pretty powerful stuff. You know what? That was the old covenant. Look at your hands. Look at your hands. You carry the glory of God. God doesn't need to use a rod or a staff anymore. It's coming right out of you. This is the new covenant. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So look at your hands. Christ in you. Now, now, do this for me for a minute. Look at your hands. And then, some of you who are a visual with your eyes open, keep your eyes open. If you're more visual with your eyes closed, then in a minute, keep looking at your hands, but in a minute, close your eyes. But just ask the Lord, Lord, what's coming out of my hands? Show me, show me the glory coming out of my hands. And again, if you're not visual, just close your eyes and, and see your hands there. Just ask him. What, do I, what am I carrying, God? Some of you, like me, are probably feeling it too. Like my whole arms are burning right now. But it's interesting because I focus on my hands. I feel like it's starting here and then moving downwards towards towards my elbows. All right, what are some of you experiencing? I heard fire. What are you experiencing? Just tell me. Gold dust, tingling, lightning bolt, raindrops, heat wave look. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) See, we need to be asking him a lot more. That was already, it's, let me just tell you this. Let me just tell you this again. If you didn't feel or experience something right now, that does not change at all what you're made of. It doesn't change at all the fact that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Ephesians 1, has made his home in you. Not someday, but now. Doesn't change the fact at all, whether you feel it or not. For some of you, though, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to find ways of showing you, whoa, whoa, because you've got to see who you are. You're seeing colors. You've got to see who you are in order to actually step out to, like a child, expect. Why wouldn't my father do these? amazing things. But you got to see who you are. You have to know how good he is for you. You have to know what he's put inside of you. You have to know you're part of this covenant relationship. And then he says, wow, he says, I want you to be my ambassadors. You're going to represent my kingdom here on the earth. You guys know about ambassadors, right? In other countries. They have all the privileges of their own country. Even Even though they're in another country, they have all their privileges of their own spot there. They bring, their kingdom comes with them. Come on. That's exactly what's going on here. Can God use objects like a a rod or a staff still, even though we're in the new covenant? Absolutely he can. He can do whatever he wants. (laughs) My point was to try to tell you, in the Old Testament, more often than not, you've seen him work through things, New Covenant is much more often working through us. But can he use objects? Of course he can. In the book of Acts, they talk about anointing a cloth, right? And it, it literally carries the anointing and goes and heals people. 
Now, that's just crazy. That's downright impossible, isn't it? Exactly. 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 It's impossible. So can you use objects? Can God use objects? Yeah. Yeah, he can. So here's an object. I just I just picked this actually tonight from our, our rose garden in the front of our house. And it was the first one. It was like sticking right out like... And I um, and I did, and after I cut it off, I noticed there's there's two other little roses up here that are about to bud, also about to bloom. And um, so, you know, um, God put a particular person on my heart to give this to you. That's you, Shannon, because God wants you to know that you are a sweet smelling fragrance to Him, that your your life is blooming before Him, and that as good as he's, as much as he's doing in your life right now, there's more coming. There's lots more coming. So can God use an object to pass along the anointing and the blessing? Absolutely. You know what? Here's another one. You guys ever seen this? Did you? Did you know that Jesus even told us to use this for to win non-believers? It's in the Bible. Why would he say that? Isn't money evil? No, not at all. It, the love of money is the root of evil. Like, if that's your goal in life, yeah, you're going to have big problems. Most of you in this room have unfortunately found that out. You know, most of us find out somewhere along the way, oh, that really isn't what I'm after because... Whether I do or don't have it, it doesn't seem to make me any more or less or happy. Money is, is simply, um, it can be a tool used by the kingdom for sure. It can be a, a, a really used for honor. Um, it, there's a lot of ways it can be used. And looking for um, someone, Did someone in mind. I don't see him. I saw him earlier. Is Brandon here? Oh. I'm looking right over you. Come here, Brandon. It's just because just I can't get to you. Come here. Come on, you trust me. You know that I'm good. Come here. So, this is Brandon. So, honestly, God puts you on my heart, and this is what I want you to do. I'd like you to put your hand out. Okay? And this is, this is not only a, a real money, but it's also prophetic symbol, an act from the Lord. Okay. And what he's saying to you, Brandon, is I am going to take care of you, son, and I'm going to give you gifts from places you were not expecting. And that's my covenant promise. I love you. Amen. All right. All right. So can God use objects? Absolutely. Get used to, did you see that? Get used to blessing people. It will bless your socks off. It will bless your socks off to bless people. And I am telling you, the whole thing about, about you can't outgive God, it is 1,000% true. You just have to start getting used to His heart and how it works. And the more you get fun and crazy with giving. He gets fun and crazy with pouring it back at you. 
pressed down, shaken, spilling over more than you gave. That's, that's the way the kingdom works. So, yeah, more of that. Jesus comes along, and again, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen my dad, right? How many miracles did he perform? I don't know. I didn't count them, so that wasn't really a real question. A whole bunch. I know there's a number, but I don't know what that number is. Actually, John says at the end of his gospel, if I were to have written everything he did down, it would, it would you know, too many volumes to even contain. So what you saw in the four Gospels is just a sample of what he actually did. He he feeds the crowds with the loaves and the fish, right? Because he totally feels God's heart for them. And and this is a huge part of miracles. Sometimes we're, we're only thinking about miracles for ourselves, but God says, that's good. But I want you to get in the, in, into the miracle business out this way. I want you to agree with my heart to, to, uh, to, to do things to help people. So we had, rather than tell the, the Jesus story, um, just a couple years ago at, one of the, at the Oakland Outreach with, with, uh, that Lee over, oversaw, one of the Thanksgiving ones, this is a couple different occasions. But one time there was, uh, I think some of you have heard this, but I love this story. There was pies we had in and uh, Lee, Lee loves to love on, on, on the people out on the streets the way they should be loved on. He's like, Daddy, talk to his God. He says, we need, we need uh, miracle whip. You know, we need, we need um, yeah, what do you call that? Yeah, okay, cool whip. All that kind of good stuff. Oh, miracle whip. Oh. Miracle whip. Good. You see where my mind is going. Cool whip. That's the one. That would be better on pie, wouldn't it? Okay. <laughs> so he drops in, you know, flies into a 7-Eleven, and I think there's only one or two of them, maybe oh, four of them, for, you know, ooh, the noodles of pie. But he gets what he can, and that's all he has. So he says to the people, well, just, you know, just lop it on until, until we run out. And they just kept lopping it on and lopping it on and lopping it on and lopping it on and lopping it on. Isn't that right? It never ran out. It never ran out. I mean, crazy amounts of, of pie, and it never ran out. Another, another year, I think, another time, and, and the same thing's happening with the mashed potatoes and the turkey. Um, where, you know, one person's even taking trays of the turkey, and they go back, and there's another tray there when they come back. Full of, you know, and you have to understand, it's like not that complicated out there where they couldn't, somebody could have snuck it in and they didn't see it. It's like, see, our, our scientific world, Western worldview mind says, well, there has to be another solution. Because it certainly couldn't have been God. Couldn't have just been a miracle. That couldn't happen. Well, no, that's exactly what happened. And the, and, and the same thing with the potatoes. They were taking out of one of these things, and, you know, they didn't have enough. They just put a glop of it in here, and they go back, and, well, I thought I took a bunch out, but let's do this again. Now they're starting to think about it. 
wow, that's right where I left it before. It just keeps going and going and going. Now, that, now come on. That's, and, and you know what? what's amazing? In each of those cases, they didn't even pray for the miracle. Do you know that really Jesus didn't either? Father, thank you for this food. Would you guys pass it out? Oh, we got 12 baskets full left over. He did not say, Father, would you multiply these fish and these bread? I'm not saying that's a bad prayer if we did. I'm just saying he didn't even pray for it, neither did these guys. What happened? Oh, they were just out loving people. And God saw their hearts and what they wanted to give. And he's like, no, that's something I can get behind. Let me just give you a little more and a little more and a little more. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing stuff. Um, in, in Mark, I'm going to read a little bit from Mark chapter 9. This is still Jesus. Mark 9, 27. A lot of times we read that scripture in here, and, and uh, Lonnie Ellis is famous for preaching from this one. Um, sorry, let me make sure I'm in the right place here. Oh, you know what? Wrong, wrong book. Matthew 9, 27. Okay. So, Lonnie, Lonnie back there is, is uh, he loves the scripture about, um, you know, you raise the dead, heal the, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, you receive without charge, give without charge. Great scripture. If you back up right before that, you see what he was doing, um, starting with uh, verse 27, right? No, 20, what did I just say? Oh, you know why? Because I'm looking at two different places. Matthew 9, 27. Okay. Thanks for staying with me here. As Jesus went on his way, two blind men following him, shouting, Take pity on us, son of David. And when Jesus reached the house, the blind men came up with him, and he said to them, do you believe I can do this? They said, Lord, we do. He, said, he touched their eyes, saying, Then according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight returned. So let me just stop right there for a second. I want to dispel a myth we have. Many people in this room believe that receive miracles or, or they don't happen when you pray for others because you don't have enough faith. In fact, this myth is so widespread that it's one of the things that really tears churches apart that start to go after miracles. Because then when it doesn't happen, unfortunately people feel like they have to explain it, why it does or doesn't happen, rather than just trusting the Lord and continuing on. And, and sometimes what happens is you start blaming the person can't happen. You start blaming the person you're praying for, and we say, well, clearly you didn't have enough faith. Let me tell you why that doesn't work. I'm going to remind you something here. I'm not going to go into a long teaching about this, but I want to remind you that Jesus, when he was alive, was actually alive during the Old Covenant. We forget that all the time. We think that everything that says New Testament is about the New Covenant. That's not true. The new covenant was established at his death. That's when the old covenant of law was gone. The new covenant of grace starts. That's when 
That's the new covenant of grace is everything you couldn't do, guess what? I'll do for you because now I live in you. That's the new covenant. Jesus primarily was reaching the Israelites. I've come to save the lost sheep of Israel, he said, who were stuck and mired in a legalistic system that they could never win. Before he died, he couldn't actually take them out of that system because he hadn't died yet. What he could do is tell them, your system's broke. And you think you're going to reach God by being this good? You think this is, do you think this is God's standard? <laughs> he says, ha. Huh. No, he's holy in a way you don't understand holy. You think this is the standard? Let me push it up about this high for you. Try jumping over that one. Now, you might think, well, that's not very nice. They're doing the best they can. That sounds kind of discouraging. Well, the point is, he was trying to tell them, doing the best you can is never going to work. So let me just kind of break that old system for you so that you can enter into this new covenant of grace. Well, why didn't he just lead them in? Because in the new, the new covenant, in a covenant, it's till death do us part. So God came and God died to break the old covenant for a new one to start. New covenant. So why is that important in this story? Well, because in the new covenant, you read in Hebrews 12, chapter 2, that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Does it not say that? He started it. He finishes it. Everything that's his is yours. That's the deal. Do you have enough faith? Yes, you do. You have the faith of Jesus living inside of you. He lives inside of you. He doesn't just live inside of you. His, the Spirit of Christ is in you. But he doesn't say, but that part of me called faith, I'm going to leave it out here for a while. They can't have access to that. That doesn't make any ounce of sense whatsoever, but that's what... Our theology is a little bit off sometimes because we forget about the new covenant. Everything changed. So the problem, you, you've got all the faith you need. Carol described it this way last week. Carol do. She said, there's a blanket of unbelief that's over the Western world, but every time... We believe God anyway, and we pray and we see miracles. We're punching holes in this in this in this blanket of unbelief. I understand that one. You know, the, the, the father that says, yeah, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's actually different than saying he doesn't have faith. I don't know if you're getting that, but there's actually a difference there. You have all the faith you need. And and how you activate it is actually believing what I just said. You have all the faith you need. It's already yours. When you say, I don't have enough faith, you're actually putting your faith into a lie. You're believing a lie. You're putting your faith in a lie that you don't have enough faith. Which makes that statement suddenly seem real to you, even though it's not true. This may be a little confusing, but it's, I hope not, because I'm what I'm trying to say is what we what we believe, what we put our faith in, what we believe, becomes our reality, whether it's true or not. It seems true to us, even if it isn't true. But what God is doing, 
Romans uh, 12, he's, he's renewing our minds. Our spirit already knows what the truth is. Our minds and our emotions haven't caught up yet. Our spirit is retraining us to see things the way they really are in God's kingdom. That's what's going on. I, I hope I at least started to dispel that myth for you. I hope for some of you this is going to uh, cause you to, um, to see things differently, to begin to step out in ways that, that you wouldn't have stepped out before. So it says that, I'm going to drop down to verse 35. Jesus made a tour through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing all kinds of disease and all kinds of illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is rich, but the laborers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to his harvest. I want to tell you that that conference we had last week was awesome. It, it, it totally engaged so many of you in a different realm. It reminded you of the truth. You know, Bill's email that he sent to me was, wow. Different part I didn't read about it was, wow, our Sosa team, it, we just went to a whole new level. Because they just got injected with, with the goodness and the truth of God. They saw the miracles. Well, well, that's that's awesome, and you've got to take it out from here. Church is supposed to be, our, our gathering time is supposed to be one the safest place you can come to come try things out. Where else can you, where else can we stand and surround somebody and command healing and whether it does or doesn't happen, right at that instant, no, nobody is ostracized and condemned. And Carol is loved, and, and that healing is absolutely coming. It's actually absolutely coming back. But the point is, is, that, is that we didn't somehow fail by stepping out and saying, no, wait a minute, that's not okay with us. We're going to declare the kingdom. Right? That was not a failure. It's not a failure. It, it's the place we have to try things out. And to step out and, and to say, God, I'm willing. But just understand that this is your training ground to go do it out there. And while that may seem a little scary, like, oh, I don't know about that. I, I know many of you remember, again, Lonnie, Lonnie Ellis' testimony of, of his uh, workplace. Uh, before he was our Kingdom Training uh, School of Supernatural Ministry director, that was a mouthful, um, he worked in the workplace, and when he was there, he began to just step out and pray for people, and pretty soon there was lines out his door, people wanting him to pray for them, and, and people are getting healed, and, and the whole office is saved, I believe, with the exception of his boss, if I'm remembering the right the story right, and um, but the whole office gets saved, and the, and the cool thing is, is that Lonnie, you know, he was in sales, but he wasn't, he wasn't making as many calls as other people were, because he was sitting there praying for the sick who were always at his desk. And yet his numbers were the highest in the office. You know, that's, that's a downright miracle. That is a miracle of provision. God says, you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. Bonnie could have said, well, I might get fired. God says, yeah, you might. Is it worth it to reach out and bless these people? I believe God gives tremendous grace and covering. I'm not saying you go out and do stupid things and you know, be a really obnoxious believers, that's not that's not representing him well. You do your job well with excellence. You know, Lonnie was Lonnie's a hard worker. 
uh, when he got to the job, he did he did hard work. But but I'm just saying, we need to step out and try these things. And one of the things we found out when we started going out to um, Hacienda years ago, about seven years ago, is when we started going out every Friday night or every other Friday night. We'd go out to the to the movie theater in Dublin, that big theater complex out there. And we began to just interact with people. And mostly at the beginning, we were giving them prophetic words. But that would freak people out on the street, so we called them free encouraging words. So we'd say, would you like some free encouraging words? They're like, well, okay. You know, who doesn't want to be encouraged? And so most people would say yes, and we'd begin to pray for them. Then often we would pray for healing. Well, after a while, we started seeing, noticing something. That in the church here, I'll tell you what, a lot of people get healed when we pray for them. A lot of people like Jeff, we just read about earlier, they get healed the next day or the next week. Pretty regularly. But the amazing thing is, out on the streets, the percentage of those who were instantly healed was off the charts compared to here. God was saying, I like this. Thank you taking this somewhere else besides just in here. This is not bad that we do that in here. But just so you know, this is just a starting point. This is the starting gate here. He says, I'm so glad you took it out. One of the most amazing miracles, I could, I could tell you so many. I'll tell you two really quick. One, one of the most amazing ones was a young teenage girl. She was about 12, right in the movie theater. We're talking to her, me and Josh. Is Josh still here? I just saw Josh. Me and Josh. Of course, Josh wasn't this big then. He was about this big. Yeah. Wasn't that awesome? You were what, maybe, weren't you like seven or something? I want to say something like that. So so here I am with Josh, and and we're, we're up there, and we start talking to these girls, junior high girls, and we start telling them about some miracles that we saw out here. I don't know. It seems like a good thing to talk about. And so, and, and one of the girls said, well, I, I'm blind in one eye. And uh, we said, really? And she starts explaining it. And she's like, yeah, I can't see anything out of this eye. You know, by this time, her friends, they, they listen to that. And then they're kind of like, okay, we're just going to keep talking. Like, they didn't want to get engaged in that, really. So we just kind of started talking to her. We said, wow, well, would, would you let us pray for you? And so, so Josh and I laid hands on her. And we prayed at most, at most, a 30-second prayer. Probably more like 20, 15, 20 seconds. Jesus, we, we command healing command this eye to, to see. I don't know. We didn't pray a whole lot more than that. Sometimes, you know, we just pray, 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 because we're afraid we're like, uh, Lord, she doesn't see, you know. We just command it. Okay. All right. Let's see. We said, okay, cover over your good eye and tell us what you see. And she goes like this. Oh my gosh, I can see all the colors and the signs. And she's just going off. Didn't she? And then she turns to her friends and they go, Shut up. They think she's totally just making it all up. Isn't that typical? And uh, that's one story. And that, here's another cool story. There was a, We've had so many healings out there. Sheila, I, I'm not going to tell the story, but Sheila out there, I remember at times whole football teams, she started praying for guys, you know, every we'd be out there every Friday. And I think they'd be healed, they'd be injured from the week before, right? From football injuries. So once a couple of them got healed, they started telling their friends pretty soon, like a dozen football guys are all coming over. Oh, here's the lady. This is the lady that heals you. 
and they'd get healed of everything. All their little injury, you know, not all their injuries, they'd get healed of. It was amazing. And and wasn't it like nearly a hundred percent every week? It was it was awesome. And very simple, just do it, Jesus. Uh, what's that? They were drive by. She said they would drive by, jump out of the car, get prayed for, drive off, and leave. That beats the old Kodak little boobs, right? And much better drive by. I know for some of you, you have no idea what I just said, but some of you, you're with me. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so here's so here's one more story. There was two guys walking at, walking towards me. They were probably about uh, 20, and uh, 18 to 20. And uh, they were Middle Eastern in, dis- in you know, descent, uh, nationality. Thank you. That's the word. Um, so they're coming towards me. One of them's on crutches. And what we've learned out there, of course, that that's like all systems go. If someone's coming out of your crutches, on. So, so he comes up. Hey, you know, um, what happened? There's a good... If you don't know how to pray for healing for someone, how to start the conversation, this always works. I've never seen this not work. Hey, what'd you do? What happened? People like talking about themselves. If you start the conversation of, hey, I know Jesus, he can heal you, they go, hey, see you later. But if you start by saying, hey, what'd you do? You're actually now developing relationship. You're actually, you know, granted surface relationship, but you know what I'm saying. You're developing a conversation. And, and he starts talking to me, and he says, well, I, I just this morning, I, I jumped off this wall, and I you know, cracked something in my ankle, and um, it's all swollen, so um, they got to wait you know, for the swelling to go down, and then they're, they're going to cast it, you know, fix it, and cast it tomorrow or the next day. And I'm thinking, Cool. I like this, because I don't like it when casts are on because you don't know what, it, what happens. You know, they're like, okay, thanks, and you don't really know. Sometimes they feel burning or things like that. But anyway, we still pray for them, because God's still healing inside their cast. I just like it better when we can know right away. So he says, he says uh, well, I jumped off, I heard it, and I said, oh, I said, oh that's cool. I said, um, you know, we've been, we've been praying for a lot of people out here, and we've been seeing God heal them. I said, would you like me to pray for you? He goes... No, thanks. I'm good. And I said, I understand. I said, you know, just 12 feet away from here about a week ago, and I go into a whole story about someone who was healed, but I tell a few more details. And this, this guy on the crutches is still not really interested, but his friend is really fascinated. And we often found this. The friend would get him. Would get him. They'd say, so, so I tell this whole story, and he goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good, thanks. And, and his friend goes, dude, let him pray for you. And he's like, come on, let's see. And uh, he's like, no, I told him one more story. And to find now his friend is going, dude, you've got to let this guy pray for you. So finally he goes, okay, fine, whatever. Like a whole lot of, remember we talked about that faith thing? This guy did not have that. He's like, okay, whatever. Do what you're going to do so we can go on. So I'm bending down, and I'm, and I'm praying, again, about a 30-second prayer. He cannot hear me. And the reason why that's important is because I found out later that he was Muslim. I didn't know that at the moment. But just so you know, when I'm praying, I wasn't going, in the name of Jesus, you know, he didn't hear what I was praying. I just, I was just down here praying and commanding the, the bones and the ligaments and tendons to come back in order in Jesus' name. No more pain. Okay, I said, 
I, I began to pray that loud. I said, I said, okay, try it out. He's like, what, like, like put weight on it? I said, yeah. He goes, how did you, what did you, and he, he couldn't get any sentence out. That was all he could get out. He was like, and I said, I said, is there any pain? He goes, no. I said, I said, that is the power of Jesus. Now, I got to tell you, you got to read people. And right away, there goes the wall. He's like, ooh, don't want to hear that name. So I immediately I gave him a four spiritual laws track. No, I did not. Um, just kidding. I just wanted to see if you're listening. No, no, no. That would have been a bad call. No, no, no. I, I said, I, I immediately switched tracks and I said, do you, um, do you know that, do you know that God is your father? He said, no, we don't believe that. And I said, oh, what do you believe? There's another good thing is actually engage with people and find out what they believe. It's not going to hurt you to hear a little bit of their story. Um, you don't have to be afraid. I said, he said, well, he didn't use the name Allah, but he said, well, we just believe that God is God. I said, okay. I said, well, just so you know, God really loves you as his son. And uh, he said, okay, thanks. And that was it. That was the whole encounter. His friend takes his crutches and plays with them as they walk away because he didn't need them anymore. To this day, I don't know what happened. I do know that he encountered the power of God. He heard the name of Jesus. And he knows that his father loves him. That's not a bad day in the kingdom. God, God knows how to take it from there. You know, sometimes we think if we don't seal the deal, meaning if you pray the prayer, you know, the one that's not in the Bible. I'll let you think about that one for a minute. I'm not saying it's a bad prayer. Lord Jesus, come, you know, be my Savior. I'm not saying that's a bad prayer at all. I'm just saying what Jesus said is, come follow me. I want to be your everything. Let me in. So we think sometimes if we if we don't do all that, that somehow it wasn't a complete success. No, success is you being you. Not every one of you is going to do what I was just describing. Cause, but, but I will tell you, you need to go further out when you're going. Every one of us, me included. You need to keep stepping out a little bit further and a little bit further past that comfort zone. I don't think Peter was thinking about comfort zone when he tried the water, you know, outside of the boat. He wasn't thinking comfort zone. All he was doing was looking at Jesus and says, I got to be with him. Now that's just a good place to be. And so really the focus isn't really on miracles. I, I bring it up as a, this was a way of kind of, um, you know, talking about last week and helping you to assimilate some of this stuff from last week on the Angels and Miracles Conference. But believe it or not, if you focus only on miracles, you're still going to be empty. Did you know that there, there are books written about people in history who have healed thousands of people the way I just described, and they're totally unhappy. They healed him in the name of Jesus, and they're unhappy. Why? Because 
because their life became about miracles and healing, not about about a love relationship with the Lord. See, it's supposed to flow out of this love thing here. And it will flow out of that. But I will tell you this. You can also get just so gaga in love and say, well, that's all I need. Which is absolutely true. It is all you need. But, if it were only about this, then you might as well go home to heaven now. But, the Lord says, and while I'm gazing at you, and while I'm telling you that I love you and I'm proud of you, go give it away. Go give it away. There's a whole world who doesn't know who I am. Go give it away. So this is what we're going to do. I kind of have a question about how many in here need a miracle. First of all, let me say this. How many of you would like to walk in more miracles, more signs and wonders, seeing more of the kingdom as you pray for people than you do now? Hey, me too. I will tell you this. It really helps if you hang around others who do. Like... I mean, coming to this place is not such a bad idea if you wanted to live that kind of life. It's one of the reasons why I go up to Bethel and listen to my my father in the spirit, Bill Johnson. I keep getting it. I I go where the action is because it rubs off on you. And you go, oh, yeah, this is normal Christianity. This is just the way it's supposed to be. So that's really important. Another thing you could do is, is read. Read some books of some people who saints who've gone before you. Catherine Coleman, Smith Wigglesworth. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Crazy faith people who were really in love with Jesus and saw outlandish miracles. The more you read that, the more you realize, oh, this isn't an isolated incident. This is actually the way it is. We bless you, Carol. We bless you. You're going to have to listen to the podcast because I, I talked about you some. So, and we, we thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing right now for Carol. We thank you for the complete restoration of her hearing in Jesus' name. So, um, read books. Um, the, um, what's the one we use in class? God's Generals. God's Generals is a, is a real thick book that's got a whole bunch of different people in it. Just a really good idea. But then, but then, um, after you do all that, you really do have to step out. You actually have to. I will tell you this. If you do not use this hand that you just looked at, that's carrying all the glory and fire of God and everything else you saw, if you don't actually use this loaded thing, and point it at somebody or use your voice that is filled with the glory and the life-changing power, resurrection power of Jesus to actually declare something that can't be as though it is, you are not going to see it. Will God still do miracles? Yes. But I'm saying if you want to see a life of miracles, you actually have to step out and try it. And that I know for some of you is really scary. It was for me too. It's a process. And then after a while, you go, wow, God really means what he says. When Jesus said in the book of John, you're going to do greater things than these. Look at all the miracles he did. He says, you're going to do greater. Some people reason that away and they go, well, what he really meant is, 
because there's going to be billions of souls, millions and millions and millions of believers, just by sheer numbers, we're going to do more miracles than he did. No, that's not what he said. He said, you're going to do greater things than what you saw me do. Last week, I know uh, Bill um, you know, mentioned that too, about doing, we're going to see greater things. But I want to I tell you, we're already doing greater things. Did you know that? There's no recorded, recorded, there's no recorded instance of Jesus of a limb growing out, of a finger growing out, let alone a limb. They were telling us, did they tell that story, Gary's story, of a, of a, a person they were praying for in, what country, was it Brazil? It was somewhere, I think it was in South America. Anyway, Gary, Gary Oates was there. This isn't like, somebody said that somebody's aunt's dogs, you know, it wasn't one of those stories. Gary was there when this happened. And he said there was a guy who had a withered hand, a young man, with three, not four, stubs for fingers. And that's what he had his whole life. And as they're praying for him, in how much time? 45 minutes. In 45 minutes, that hand came out. Four fingers grew back where there were only three stubs before, all the way out. A full hand, full use of his hand. That's impossible. Yes. That's our God. That's exactly what he did. Gary was there and saw it. I, I, I prayed for a man who was paralyzed for six years. And he started to feel the fire of God down his spine. And within 45 minutes, he was getting up out of his wheelchair. I've seen it. I could tell you story after story after story. Lupus, gone. Cancer, gone. I mean, amazing stories. Amazing stories. But it doesn't happen unless you actually step out and start trying it. And you won't try it unless you know he's good, you know he's for you, you know he's supernatural, you know he's backing you, you know you're his ambassador. You've got to know those things. But the more you know them, you're going to start stepping out. And you will see miracles, not primarily for this place, but for out there. Whether they ever come to church or not, whether that, whether that young, I'm going to say pre-Christian, was a Muslim young man, his name was Muhammad, by the way, so, Lord, we just bless Muhammad wherever he is. Holy Spirit, go get him. Bring him into the kingdom if he's not already. We, we, we love on people. We, we bless them. I don't even remember what I was saying, but I'll just keep talking. Okay, we love on people. We bless them. And, and, and we, we, we let God bring them, bring them in, right? We just keep going out there. Whether they, that's what I was saying. Whether they come to the church or not isn't the point. So many churches have thought evangelism is how can we make our church bigger? No, 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 no. Yeah, but the kingdom's expanding. The church is going to get bigger all the time. That church, that church worldwide, yes. A billion souls. You guys remember this one? Uh, Bob Jones, many years ago, prophesied when the, when the world reaches six billion, and this was long before it was six billion, decades before, that God is going to usher in a harvest of a billion souls. And he said, but that's not the final harvest. The final harvest, those billion souls are going to be the ones that bring in the final harvest. We reached six billion souls a few years back. Um, so, uh, just this past month, Bob Jones says, we, we just, and I know this sounds, to some of you who were, you're not used to prophetic voices like this, just please trust me that Bob Jones is a long time, very solid prophetic voice that just hears things from God and they happen. 
anyway, I won't explain it any more than that. But but he said just just last month uh, at, at the, around the Jewish festivals, he, he said that billion soul harvest has begun. We're, we're in it now, and we know that you know thousands are coming to Jesus every day in every country around the world, and we're and we and we know that right here this thing's going to pop. It's going to explode. And I'm telling you, this whole healing thing, for a lot of us, even if we've been frustrated about, gosh, we're still not seeing what we want to see. How come not everybody's healed? I don't know yet, but keep going. Because because this is training ground, but it's not just training anymore. It's training as we go because the harvest is coming in. And that harvest is coming in through power. It's coming in through love, absolutely, and grace, and a papa who loves them, and it's coming in through power. So we, we've got to be ready to go. So... My other question to you is, is uh, who needs a miracle? You might need a physical miracle. You might need a financial miracle. You might need a relational miracle. They just may be some circumstances. You just may be up against uh, this, the, the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, with the, with the army bearing down on you, and you don't know how you're going to get out of this one. needing a miracle, you're actually in a really good place. Because you're on an adventure with the Lord. He already told you He's going to take care of you. It may not happen the way you think. But you're in a good place because something's going to happen. And you're going to, you're going to go, wow. Wow, Papa. That, I wouldn't have thought of that. That was How you did that, that was amazing. A lot of times... We can't see it till we're past it. We look back and we just go, whoa, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. So if you are needing a miracle, I want to tell you, from Luke 12, 32, you have a father who says to you, fear not, little flock. It has pleased me to give you the kingdom. And I'm telling you, in his kingdom, there's no limits, no lack. So a good question to ask him is, how are you going to do it this time, Papa? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes again. We're going to do another visualization thing. And partly why I'm doing this also is to keep going with this. Gary unlocked a great tool. It's not that we've never talked about it. We do it a lot in our kingdom training school, but we don't do it as much here on a Saturday night. But just for you to know that God does speak to you through your sanctified imagination. He's gonna He's He's gonna move and tell you things and, and show you things. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to um, you know with whatever it is that miracle that you need get to approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, and actually as a little child you get to skip on in. You get to go right up to your papa. And I want you to look. For those of you who are visual, which is most of you in this room, for those that are not, I'll tell you something else in a minute, but I would like you to look into his eyes, into papa's eyes, and see his blazing, fiery eyes of love and approval for you. 
just let him do for you what he wants and needs to do for you. And if you have questions, you can ask him. I won't even tell you what questions to ask. But on his lap, you can ask him anything you want. visual, keep going. Those of you who are, are not, there's some of you in the room who are actually more along the sensual lines, meaning, meaning you feel things. And so you might feel him surrounding you. You might feel him hugging you, comforting you, holding you. You know what? That's enough. That's good. Just let him do that. Don't resist his love and care for you. Spirit for leading us into the presence of our Papa. Thank you, Father, Daddy. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for answering every heart cry that we have. And I want you to stay in this place and you can keep going on in this vision. The next thing is that some of you are auditory, which means as you hear things, that's going to begin to take you places as well. Whether that's visual or or sensory. But as you hear things, that's going to spark something in you. And so, um, Patrick, if you could uh, play, we have a track uh, by Kim Walker. I want you just to stay in this place. And let the Lord speak to you as you are still gazing into his eyes of fiery love. 